This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. I'm Jesse. And this is the SFF Audio Podcast. <laughs> and, and we're talking about, I believe it's books 13 through 16 That's of right. The Odyssey. Yeah, The Odyssey. It's been a while since we... Uh, we did this. We've had a yeah. It is. It's been a while. So, yeah. I I uh, sort of lost track of where I was in my mm-hmm. audiobook. So I, I I went forward too far, and then I went back, and uh, and then I went too far past as well. Mm-hmm. I I think maybe it's the Roman numerals that are screwing me up. <laughs> <laughs> I just like after a certain point, I have to actually sit down and do the math. You know, X I V means fourteen. Right, fourteen. Right. Yeah, and Ian McClellan's doing a heck of a good job. I'm yeah, sure I enjoy that reading. He's got a lot more lot. work uh, uh, doing all the ma- male characters that are showing up uh-huh. in chapters or books. And uh, there's a lot, actually, you know, it, what's really interesting is, is kind of what I bring to the book, to me, you know, of the other reading I'm doing while we're doing this. Mm-hmm. So, like, right now I'm listening to a... Um, a really interesting nonfiction history book about Genghis Khan and talking about uh, their culture and how, how they deal with, um, with foreigners and, uh, and mm-hmm. guests and, you know, what proper etiquette is with hosts and guests relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, you know, I, it's, it's a really interesting book, uh, the Odyssey. <laughs> 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 and, uh, also, something quite striking happens to me, and I bet you didn't spot it, because I didn't spot it the first time, but I'm like, what? Holy crap! That's terrible. Uh, in the very beginning of Chapter 13, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Book 13. All right, so... When we last left Odysseus, what was he doing? He was uh, uh, getting ready to leave... Uh, oh, he had just finished telling the last of his adventures before... Right. Before leaving uh, the Phoenicians, which mm-hmm. is the Phoenicians, right? Um, Phoenicians or something. Phoenicians. Yeah, Phoenicians. but uh, don't you yeah. think they're the Phoenicians as well? Wouldn't they be the same people? Um, boy, I have no idea. Oh, okay. It's mm-hmm. just some of the descriptions of how they behaved. You know, they they uh, had a great seafaring empire and such. I thought that was the idea. Phoenicians. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, they're uh they're leaving um, they're about to leave there, and that's where it ended and then I guess the next chapter is Odysseus lands in Ithaca, or the next book that's that's where we start uh-huh. sure mm-hmm. so yeah, um, the, yeah so uh after he finishes um yeah, the, the whole thing kind of shifts gears here, I think. You yeah, know, yeah. Uh, he's no longer he's done, he's done telling his story, and now it's kind of the time present to go home. time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. This, is a, this is a funny thing about this book, is the way it's, it's organized, uh, as in the whole Odyssey. <laughs> when the present is, is not exactly clear, right? Mm-hmm. Because it starts uh, near the end, mm-hmm. goes to the middle. I think we've caught up to the present. And then from here on, it's all real time. Mm-hmm. I think. Right. Yeah, and that's that's 
Yeah, so uh, this 13 through 16 is anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all just, you know, real, kind of a straight narrative from from that point on. Yeah, I think there's uh, some parallel things happening, like uh, book, book uh, 15 uh, with Telemachus is mm-hmm. happening at the same time as what's happening with Emmaus and uh, Odysseus and the swineherd. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, I think it's it's a it's this is actually the point at which uh, none of it's backstory anymore. Right, right, yeah, that's right. So, yep. So uh, he's just about success. Well, he's been dropped off. You know why? Yeah, he's sleeping. <laughs> they put him sleeping onto the shore of Ithaca, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's an interesting thing. And then Poseidon says, "I'd like to avenge myself at once." <laughs> <laughs> he's like I'm I'm so mad that he made it that I think I'm going to he wants to crush that fine Phaeacian cutter out on the misty sea now on her homeward run from her latest convoy so that thing you know that ship is turned around and it's headed back to where it came from yeah. after dropping off um, Odysseus asleep just laying him on the, the beach or whatever and yeah, with uh, all those goods <laughs> and then uh yeah, and Zeus is like, "Wait a minute." Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny what he does with the uh with the ship, right? He he punishes mm-hmm. them by turning their ship into a rock on the just on, away from the shore, and then he puts up a a mountainous uh wall around their city. Mhm. And I was thinking, okay, that's, you know, the mythology, you know, when you're trying to explain well, geographical features, why things are the way they are, that's mm-hmm. just a little mythology thrown in there, right? Yeah. So why is the, Fish, the Phoenician or Phoenician city uh, surrounded by uh, mountains? Oh, well, that goes back to a story with Poseidon and, and <laughs> Odysseus. You know how that yeah. is, right? Yeah. It's, like, it's just sort of random. But right. I, I assume there is a rock out there that's sort of ship-shaped. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably so. Yeah, and then the Phoenicians, your hurry friends, do as I say. Uh, as for Poseidon, sacrifice twelve bulls to the god at once. Mm-hmm. You know, and then um, it's interesting. It just says, um, so all of Phaeacia's island lords and captains milling round the altar lifted prayers to Poseidon, master of the sea. Dot dot dot. Mm-hmm. And that's the last we hear of them. You know, so they're like in chaos and worried about their survival, and then we leave them. Say like, goodbye. Yeah. No. I imagine that's the last we'll hear of them too. I think so. And. Yeah. What, what, it was actually really striking to me um, what so what happened was Odysseus told all his story and they said that's terrible, no, you lost all your men, you lost all your gold well let's give you lots of treasure right mm-hmm. um, why do Phoenicians give him lots of treasure it's actually explained in a later book but they, they, they say you know this is an emotional tale, we've got to give you lots of treasure to bring home to your new, to your wife and and to make up for all the things that you've lost. So they give him tons of treasure, like more treasure than uh, he would have got if he had brought everything back that he had not lost. Hmm. And then it's explained afterwards, they, they have a council, the Ephesians do, and hmm. they say, they say uh, oh, this is a lot of money to spend on a guest. Uh, are we all agreed that we shall tax the people <laughs> to pay for it? And they all agreed, and it was so resolved. And that was like, what? <laughs> it's like some dude comes to your country, and you just pay 
billions of dollars to him because he tells a good story. And then you tax the people because you don't want to pay it out of your own coffers. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, man. That's it like, funny. It, it was like one one percenter helping another one percenter. I was like very shocked to see that. And I never noticed it before. But there's so much in each each of these, you know, each of the speeches and each of the scenes. There's there's so many assumptions and and you know just things that that don't seem to fit with a straight dead ahead narrative that mm-hmm. you can miss stuff like that if you're just following the plot. But I I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, of course that money has to come from somewhere. But like all these golden tripods and bronze bronze uh, pots or whatever, they yeah. have to come from somewhere, and apparently they don't want to take them out of their own personal riches. Oh, that is funny. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> my sympathies for Odysseus suddenly went down there. I mean, and then then what what's really funny is it in I think in the next chapter, our next book. Um uh she uh when 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 uh Athena finally reveals herself mm-hmm. she, I don't know what she she's always hiding herself from him but yeah. when she finally reveals himself uh, herself to uh Odysseus she mentions oh yeah and I cast a spell upon uh the Phaeacians to make them <laughs> make them really <laughs> generous with you <laughs> so I'm like oh okay well that explains why they're so generous but oh, it's like so. Really, Athena, because she's playing favorites, you know. Mm-hmm. No, she 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 wants to have her character end up where he ends up in the perfect <laughs> situation, just the way she wants him. Uh-huh. Uh, that's all. These other people have to suffer for that, and it's just you know, it's not a big deal. Yeah. They just, they're not the main character. <laughs> you know, another thing that struck me as funny is uh, you know, Odysseus wakes up. And the he doesn't know where he is. He's mm. like, oh, where am I now? You know, holy crap, what happened? But she she made it so he can tell. Yeah, and then yeah, she she Athena had missed it over the place, so she, he has no idea where he's at. But then she appears to him as a boy, mm-hmm. right? A shepherd. Yeah. And then he says, you know, something like, "Have you ever heard of Ithaca?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, "No, I know. I've I've uh, actually, you know, I'm not from there." <laughs> yeah, he or something like that. he's just this huge, wild terrible, big bunch of lies. Yeah. And then Athena reveals herself to him and says, "Man, you are such an awesome liar. I think you're great." Yeah. <laughs> and that that's interesting. Yeah, yeah they, they are, any man, they any are. god who met you would have to be some champion lying cheat to get past you for all round craft and guile. You terrible man, foxy, ingenious, never tired of twists and tricks. So not even here on native soil would you give up those wily tales that warm the cockles of your heart. Yeah, I thought that was that made me laugh. Well, uh, it seemed to be instinctual on his part in that in that case. You know, he didn't know at first she was uh, who she was, and so uh-huh. it, it's just his yeah. nature to you know to revert to uh, lies and deception whenever right, just to uh, yeah not reveal who he is to anybody, and w- which is what she goes ahead and says, hey, now you need to not reveal yeah. who you are, and that's uh, she gives yeah. him the the uh, yucky clothes and uh, uh-huh. she uh, makes him look older and shabby and uh, and then <laughs> it seems to be partially you know just to make the story uh, more Odyssean, <laughs> you know. A lot of it's not um, based on some some necessary part of the plot. As far as I know, you know, most of the people he meets are quite loyal to him. 
but maybe that's just, you know, you yeah. have to be cautious all the time. Right, right. And then um, she says, I willed it, planned it so that when you planned it so when you set out for home and to tell all the trials you must suffer in your palace, endure them all, you must, you have no choice. And to no one, no man, no woman, not a soul, reveal that you are the wanderer home at last. No, in silence you must bear a world of pain. Subject yourself to the cruel abuse of men. Mm-hmm. So she's saying, you know, you're going to be in disguise now, and you're just going to have to take what people say. And, um, you know, I, I thought that that was interesting. So she's trying to protect him from the suitors, I would imagine. If he, she's given him a way to to infiltrate the the place without people knowing who he is. Yeah, and and there is some. Uh, I think there's some danger from servants who may not be as loyal after 20 years away from home. Yeah, sure. Uh, that. Uh, you know, he, uh, she makes reference to you know some of the, some of the servants may uh, be actually more uh, loyal because they were about to be disloyal. <laughs> they were mm-hmm. sort of switching over, switching sides. But it, you might want to reveal yourself to them, those who are uh, wavering, because yeah, yeah. At that, they might be become staunch allies. And I mm-hmm. thought that was an interesting uh, take yeah. on it. Yeah, and then and then one last thing. Um, <laughs> that did make me chuckle, is he asked Athena, you know, why why did the, we go through all of this? You know, why did it take me, you know, that so many years to get home? And then she just says, I never had doubts myself. I knew deep down that you would return at last with all your shipmates lost. But I could not bring myself to fight my father's brother, Poseidon, quaking with anger at you, still enraged because you blinded Cyclops, his dear son. Mm-hmm. But um, it's like she's saying, well, I, I could have helped you, but I really didn't want to fight him. Yeah, I can't do it directly. And, and it's almost like a difference between what a god is and what a human is, because for her to say, well, I knew you would get home eventually, you know, but for him, he's lost how many years of his life? 20, yeah. Yeah, 20 years of his life. Um, he's, he's missed it childhood of his kid, you know, who's now a grown man. He's missed things that are irreplaceable. And for her, she's like, well, I knew you were going to get home. So, yeah. no big deal. But he's like, well, this was this was huge, lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, it, it, the, there's, not, I think the most interesting scenes for me were uh, actually between Emmaus and, and Odysseus. Uh, in and Am- Amineus is the Amin- swineherd? Yeah, the swineherd. Okay. Uh, he's the loyal swineherd um, mm. who seems disgustingly loyal in a certain way. I mean, it sounds to me like he was a slave. And he's, he's, he's been loyal for 20 years. He, he praises you know, his master, and <laughs> yet he spends most of his nights you know, up on the mountain tending swine in the hopes that his one day his master will return and grant him a small pension. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> dude, you know, you might be a little self-deluded there. Well, luckily he isn't, and he is going to get repaid. So I guess uh, it's not that bad, but there's, there's, there's a few scenes in there that are quite interesting, and one of them is when he's telling Odysseus, uh, who he doesn't know is Odysseus, uh, about how rich his master was before the... the um, before the suitors came, you know, and th- he was saying that the suitors, they, they ate a, 
sheep a day or something like that. And, and then he says this. My master, you see, was enormously wealthy. There wasn't a lord on the black continent of or in Ithaca itself to touch him. He was worth more than 20 others rolled into one. Let me give you some idea. On the mainland, 12 herds of cattle, as many flocks of sheep, as many droves of pigs, and as many scattered herds of goats, all tended by hired labor or his own herdsmen. While here in Ithaca, 11 herds of goats graze upon up and down the coast with a reliable man to look after them. And every one of these men has day by day to choose the likeliest of his fattest goats and drive it in for the suitors. While I, who tend to these, keep the swine, carefully pick out the best and send it down to them. Um, so I, this is a fact that I did not know prior to, I guess, rereading it, that he was the richest of all the Greeks. Now, it might be just hyperbole, you know, like this dude, he doesn't go that far. No, he's a swine nerd. He doesn't really see much of the world. Yeah. Um, but I, I would ex- expect that it's it's a a good picture. So you know, we've we've visited Menelaus's palaces and Nestor's and Agamemnon and you know the city of Troy and all of these places that have massive wealth. But this one dude, <laughs> this is not only the trickiest bastard <laughs> ever lived. He's also the richest bastard who ever lived. And he's got all these... Lo- like, it seems like <laughs> he really was not... Um, he, he's kind of like the... He's like a dream character for a lot of people, I think. It's like, ah, I want to be that dude. He's the richest dude ever. He's super tricky. Uh, he always gets his way in the end. Um, I just like... Really, he has he, he has uh, more than a hundred... hundred uh, uh, Herds of animals on the island, and he has ten. He has twenty times more than the next twenty. Uh, he has more than the next twenty lords of all of the Mediterranean combined. It seems a little excessive. <laughs> wow. Yep. So yeah, he's the very best at every single thing, isn't he? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, 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 the, the way the way all of these characters are described, you know, he's the fastest runner, or that mm-hmm. dude's the he's the strongest back. Or he's super steady, or something like that. But mm-hmm. really, uh, Odysseus is the is the he's got the the greatest skill, which is the trickiness of the mind, as well as having a you know uh, not deformed or horribly damaged body. Mm-hmm. He's just a regular dude with a super smart mind, hmm. super tricky, and super rich, and super handsome. Yeah. She he, he gets. <laughs> He gets turned into a super handsome dude, and <laughs> when he his son doesn't even believe he's him anymore, he thinks he's a god, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I, I yeah, that's right. I, I thought he was thinking he was a god because of he changed in front of him, and he he now didn't believe what he was seeing. Yeah, I think that, yeah. that he says only a god could do that. Therefore, you are not my dad. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Now, in. Um, in this same book, uh, it, which is titled uh, "In Emmaus's or Emmaus's Hut," mm-hmm. um, there's a scene that was stri- quite striking to me. Also, of the, uh, I think the inspiration for Philip K. Dick's first short story published, which is called "Beyond Lies the Web." I believe, mm-hmm. believe you read that story. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, and that's where uh, after giving these speeches back and forth. Um, uh, and before he goes out into the into the night to 
uh, guard the swine uh, against the cold winds and anybody who wants to steal them. He calls in a uh, a five-year-old uh, hog, and he brings it to the fire, um, and they're going to, obviously, they're going to eat it. But before he does that, he pulls some hairs from its tufts upon its head mm-hmm. <laughs> and throws them into the fire. And I thought at that point the animal was dead. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize it was still alive. <laughs> he just throws it in, and then he gets a piece of wood after he's made some kindling, and he smashes it on the, on the swine's head, and they have their dinner. Right? Because it was a nice, fat, five-year-old pig. Mm-hmm. And I just think <clears throat> that that is uh, kind of the same... That's the scene that inspired, I think, uh, Beyond Lies the Wub. Because in Beyond Lies the Wub, what you've got is uh, a pig brought in for slaughter... Um, they, it's treated unkindly. Uh, the tufts upon its head are pulled and yanked. Um, and then it says, hey, you're not going to eat me, are you? It'd be, <laughs> it'd be like, imagine that scene in the Odyssey. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Suddenly the pigs are no longer, wait, wait a second, I'm, I don't want to be sacrificed. Can't we all just get along? <laughs> Can't we all just be vegetarians? There's, no, there's just sort of an unthinking uh, cruelty to the animal in that, the pulling on the on the head, you know, the pulling of hairs from its head uh, yeah. to be thrown into the fire as a pre-sacrifice to say, hey, your sacrifice is coming. Um, I, I understand you have to kill animals to eat them. That makes sense. But the, the cruelty prior to that is, I think, what what inspired Dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely possible. It's just uh, something we would notice today, you know, where we're all uh-huh. concerned about the the pain of the animals we're about to eat. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Interesting. So, um, now, Telemachus, he shows up at the swineherd's place as well. Yes. Um, I, I don't recall, why did he go to the swineherd's place? Uh, because... He just somebody they both mutually Athena, trusted? Athena go ahead. told him to, yeah. Athena told him to, okay. Because I, could, I didn't, couldn't it, recall all why. Her plans. Everything that happens is her plan, right? Uh-huh, okay. She says, you need to do this, and you need to do that, and she, she, she says, you know, you need to... She actually plots out his route home from uh, Menelaus, it's Menelaus, I think. Or is it Nestor? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. Menelaus. Uh, Menelaus... She says, yeah, fine, see you off, here's your stuff. And then she says, oh, and now you don't want to stop at uh, Nestor's place because he he's a too grabby host, he won't let you go. Uh, and when you, don't worry, there's some guys who want to kill you, but I have a plan for that. And he's like, okay, I'll follow whatever you say, hmm. Lady Athena. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, she's, you know, she told him exactly what to do. Okay. Like she she knew what the future was and right right so yeah th- those scenes were interesting to me um, you know again just like Odysseus was uh, wanting people to tell stories about himself mm-hmm. you know to find out what people thought of him he kind of did the same thing to tell Telemachus yeah he says hey so uh, tell me about your dad you know pretty much and um, yeah I thought that was an interesting scene and then. Uh, Telemachus passed the test if it was a test. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, he said all the right things. Yeah. said all the right things, you know. I miss my dad and all that stuff. 
You know, uh, before before we get to that, there was actually mm-hmm. a um, a very interesting parallel. I thought you remember um, when he uh, Telemachus is he's he's traveling with um, the prince of N- Nestor's son, prince mm-hmm. of uh, the shore city. I can't remember what it was called. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he's, yep. he's traveling with them, and he says, "You know, your dad's gonna make me." Um, uh, stay, uh, Pol- Polyphidus? No. No, Father Polyphidus. Yeah, I can't remember. Anyways, he says, um, your dad's gonna make me stay, so I'm gonna head straight for the ships. Is that, is that cool with you? And mm-hmm. he says, yeah, you know what? You better just go straight for the ships because I have, um, of two minds. You know, I have to obey my father, but you're right. He is gonna try and suck you in for, uh, extended stay. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he says, "You you head to your ships immediately. I will start walking home as soon as I get home. I'm going to tell my dad." <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, as they're on the shore, and they're, he tells his men to make make uh, make the ship shape and load up the goods that he's been loaded up with, all the uh, prizes given to him by uh, Paris and not Paris, um, Menelaus and uh, Helen, <clears throat> who has some good advice in in these books as well. Uh, there comes a a wandering dude, um, and we get a bit of his history. You know, you know the scene I'm talking about. Um, I'm not remembering it. Keep going. Okay, so there's this wandering dude. He comes up, and mm-hmm. he says, uh, "Hey, um, uh, first we get a bunch of backstory about who his grandfather was and who his all his family is." And he says, "Hey, I'm I'm an archive. I." Uh, I killed a man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can I get a ride on the ship? <laughs> and, and Telemachus listens to his story about how he's a manslaughterer and he killed one of his brothers on the plains of Argos. And, um, and yeah, yeah, of course, who am I to stop you from getting a ride on my ship? <laughs> and I was thinking, and it, it, I think there was a line saying, you know, how uh, Telemachus, how every character gets the gets the moniker, the description that helps the the poet memorize the story, right? So, uh, she of the shining eyes, or the flashing eyes, would be uh, Athena, and mm-hmm. the wily Odysseus, right? We always get these. Well, Telemachus is like um, the dutiful, or the, the, um, the uh, well-mannered, something like that. He, he's always keeping... To the, to the code or the tradition, which I guess is a is a virtue, but <laughs> the virtue mm-hmm. is you know oh yeah this guy just confessed to murdering his brother and uh, is fleeing the country. Uh, can he get a ride? Oh of course, <laughs> it's like no no second thought to it. But um, it reminded me of the story that Odysseus told the lies he was telling to Athena. Oh, interesting. Because they they had both killed their brothers, he had said, and that's why he is fleeing. Mm-hmm. And it's like that parallelism actually struck me, and then I noticed that there's another parallelism that's about to happen, and maybe we've talked about this before, but um, so remember how all of this <laughs> this adventure started, right? It was with the, the, the war against uh, Troy. And how did that start? Well, all of this Greek, uh, you know, the 1%, the, the, the leading lords of ancient Greece had all gotten together at a certain meeting 
to woo a princess. And the princess was um, uh, Helen. They had mm-hmm. all gotten together at a meeting, and they were all uh, suitors to her. And in order to prevent uh, chaos and uh, general war, uh, a dude named Odysseus came up with an, uh, a cunning plan. And his cunning plan was, uh, we'll let uh, her make her decision, and then we will all promise to abide by it. And mm-hmm. if any man who chooses not to abide by it, obviously he is not worthy of her uh, hand. And uh, I believe it was uh, her father, not her her godfather, but <laughs> her actually her actual uh, stepfather, uh, <laughs> uh, who was uh, the guy said, "Oh, that's a great plan, right?" Um, and that is what made all of the. Um, all of the lords of Greece attack Troy because the marriage was threatened. Uh, they had all promised to obey their their promise to defend the marriage of whoever Paris, uh, whoever Helen had chosen. Does this make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that is uh, how it was resolved before. It was resolved with a with a, a pact, a, a solemn promise by all involved that caused the war, right? If it hadn't, if that hadn't come about, none of, Odysseus wouldn't have had to go off to defend that. If he hadn't have made this, you know, pact that he didn't see would cause that, he wouldn't have had been gone for 20 years. And mm-hmm. yet now he's coming home and what's the problem? Dozens of dudes are doing the exact same thing Except it's his wife, right? Right, right. He's been gone so long in the the prom- in trying to promise uh, of a promise given that he has to deal with the same thing, and he's not going to deal with it in the same way, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He, he's uh, maybe learned from his mistake. He's not going to try and get them all to agree to a pact, you know. <laughs> uh, he uh, because that would totally have worked, right? And it would have been a parallel story. Imagine he's a new suitor. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we can imagine that whole new story where they compete in acts of, uh, I don't know, strength and feats of strength and and uh, uh, various, you know, tricky, tricky behavior <laughs> uh, in order to <laughs> woo the hand of of uh, of the queen. Yeah. yeah. And I see what you're saying. And yeah. he says, no, that's not what we're doing. We're killing them. We're going to kill them all. <laughs> you and right. me, son. It's you and me. We're going to kill them all. <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess he learned from his mistake. Don't, don't just, you know, bind people on promises. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You just have to sometimes kill, kill a whole bunch of dudes. Yeah. Hmm. That, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. You know, and it kind of ties into the whole, uh, you know, Athena thinking that lying was so cool, too. Mm. And deceit, you know, lying and deceit and... Uh, yeah, it's just an, kind of an interesting viewpoint, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think that you know we're meant to uh, to think that lying and deceit are not actually good things because I think uh, I think that that is Odysseus' story, right? Is he is uh-huh. he is a tricky bastard, and and that's why we love him because mm-hmm. he is so tricky and he's clever and he he manages to trick his way out of all of these situations. But uh, it is it is a sort of a <laughs> You know, he does learn from his mistakes. Although a lot of it, it just it seems like just 
just a, a way of making this, the plot more more circuitous. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> he can't go straight home. He has to do a bunch of steps. And and uh, I, I I'm really liking it. But it is um, it is incredibly dense at this point. There are a lot of uh, plot. Well, it's it's a lot of kind of emotional stuff, really. Mm-hmm. You know, where before you know he was fighting you know, monsters and things, and and he was tricking his way out of stuff as well. And now it's all like this, this this whole four books was just emotional, really. Um, You know, him him going through a lot of things, you know, with his son and everything, Mm -hmm. and his swineherd uh, and his wife, you know, I, I guess really what he's doing is he's making plans. But he's also determining whether this is all worth doing or not. Yeah, he's he's um, get he's getting he's getting what he wants, but he's still mm-hmm. got work to do. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So it's like he's preparing it. It's like the the opening of a, a part two of the whole thing. Yeah. It's kind of a slow preparation of uh, what's going to happen. I believe uh, on my second reading through, I noticed. Um, uh, I think it's in this. I, I'm not. I, I'm pretty sure it's in the end of book sixteen, uh, where he he says to his son, "Okay, we made our plans, um, uh, and here's what you're going to do. You're going to go get all their arms, lock them away in the roof, uh, in some upper chamber, and then uh, we're going. You are going to leave out a couple of pairs of swords, a couple of spears." And a couple of bucklers, and we're gonna go have a party <laughs> in the <laughs> in the suitor room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and uh, that yeah, it is like the that's the if if it was being a model modern serial, that would be the this the cut scene where you know they open the doors and there's a whole bunch of ro- a room full of suitors unarmed. Um, mm-hmm. But I do believe we have something coming up that's going to be interesting. That's the uh, the stringing of the bow. You re- do you know, remember that no, scene? No, I do not. Have you re- you've read this before, right? Um, I mean, so long ago that it's as if I have not. Yeah. Um, okay. I think I read it in college. Okay, yeah, so that is one of the few scenes from the later books that I remember. Mm-hmm. And that is, he's got, this, he's got this massive bow that only he can string. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't get the sense that he was, like, super strong, but apparently he's the only guy <laughs> in the whole world who can string this bow. It's so mm-hmm. strong. It's a, such a powerful bow. Yeah. Um, so he's going to get that out, and there's going to be some some death dealt. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I'm looking for. Um, I didn't mark it, but when when Tele- Telemachus finally realizes and accepts who Odysseus is, mm-hmm. um, let's see. You see. Uh, uh, Anyway, they they cried quite a bit. Oh yeah, there's a lot of tears. Um, it, it's interesting that <laughs> when you think about you know why are they crying? It's uh, they're happy. Yeah, I, I know. I, I think it's more than that though. I think if you go back to it's uh, mourning of lost time. There's that too. Certainly. You know that that's what I think it is. Um, it, it's interesting to think about it. You know, with the words that are written. Um, you know, I read it a couple times, and um, see, sobbing and uh, deep desire for tears welled up in both. I wish I had marked it so I could be more clear, but um, 
With that he kissed his son, and let a tear roll down his cheek to the ground, though hitherto he had kept himself under strict control. But Telemachus could not yet accept the fact that it was his father, and once more put his feelings into words. You are not my father, he said, you are not Odysseus, but to make my grief all the more bitter, some power is playing a trick. No mortal man unaided by a god has wizardry like this at this command, though I know that any god who wished it could easily bring about these alternations between youth and age. Why, only moments ago you were an old man in shabby clothes, and now you look like one of the gods who live in the wide heavens. And mm. so, he, and then here's here's a portion just a little bit later. He recognized him, but he he yeah. won't believe it. Yeah. At that, Odysseus sat down again, and Telemachus threw his arms around his great father, sobbing uncontrollably as the deep desire for tears welled up in both. They cried out, shrilling cries, pulsing sharper than birds of prey, eagles, vultures with hooked claws. When farmers plunder their nest of young, too young to fly. Yeah, it's, a, it's a metaphor, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. There's a lot of these extended metaphors. I, I remember one just like that. Uh, when the ship is being pulled uh, off the shore, when uh, Athena goes, you know, she says to Telemachus, it's time to leave, and the ship is hauled from the shore. It's hauled in this giant extended metaphor, like a bunch of uh, oxen that have been lay fallow in the field for many months. <laughs> it's like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, long story. Oh, yeah, we're talking about the ship being pulled to the shore, right? <laughs> but uh, these extended yep. metaphors do tell a story that give you a sense of what's going on, and you're right, that, that is, uh, it's a sad story. Now they broke the, uh, here's the way it's mine reads it. And now they mm -hmm. both broke down and sobbed aloud with a pause like, a, like birds bereaved like a sea eagle or a taloned vulture when villagers have robbed the nest of their unfledged young. So yeah. did these two let the piteous tears run streaming from their eyes, and the sunset would have found them all, found them still in tender mood if Telemachus had not suddenly thought of asking his father a question. But dear well, father... That's, yeah, that's but, interesting how different that is. Yeah, slightly different. It says, yeah, it says the same thing, but yeah. um, interesting. But slight, uh, he says, but dear father... What ship can have brought you now, just to Ithaca? And who were the men aboard? And then he, he says, ah, I'll tell you the whole story. <laughs> Which, yeah. 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 But, yeah. Very interesting. I'm eager to get... So what are we doing next? How well, far do we go now? Well, I believe it'll be 17, uh, which okay. is... Is, and in 17, mine is called yeah. Odysseus Goes to Town. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see what mine's called. And then it'll be 17, followed by um, uh, The Beggar. Stranger, Stranger at the Gates is the name of my book. Oh, okay. okay. Yep. And then uh, it's next called The Beggar in the Palace. For book 18. Book 18 is The Beggar King of Ithaca. Mm -hmm. And then book 19... Your 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 Clea recognizes Odysseus. I think she's a servant. Hmm. Can't remember. Penelope and her guest. Uh huh. And then lastly, it will be book twenty. I believe. No, 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 no. Not book twenty. Nineteen. Nineteen was so uh, Penelope and her guest. Seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Yeah, it is twenty. Okay. Yep. And twenty is prelude to the crisis. Portents gather. Uh huh. <laughs> and then, uh, so we've got two more. I thought we yeah. only had one more. Oh, that, and then that'll, and then we got twenty-one through twenty-four. 
Oh, okay. They must be short chapters or short, short books, I should say. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm on. I'm on a Kindle. I mean, the uh, book sixteen was, or I'm sorry, book thirteen mm-hmm. was almost exactly fifty percent. Wow. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize it was that big. Um. Yeah, I click on the start. Yeah, it's fifty percent. <laughs> oh, oh, fifty percent through the book. Through actually. the book. Yeah. 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 Yep. Okay, interesting. Do you have any afterward matter in there? That's uh, uh, oh, yeah. Mine is just slightly. Not not too much. I have a, a translator's postscript, which is not very long, and then the genealogy of the royal house of Odysseus. Oh, that'd be interesting. The genealogy of the royal house of Phaeacia. The genealogy of Theoclymenus. Hmm. I think you should uh, scan those in and send me them. Okay. And then the genealogy of Tyro. And a chapter called Textual Variants from the Oxford Classical Text. Hmm. And then notes on the translation. Who is your translator again? Uh, Let's see. Robert uh, Fagels. Right. Yeah, I think I have that somewhere. Um, And this is the exact version that Ian McClellan's reading. Oh, yeah, okay. So uh, I am hearing that version. I'm just reading a... Uh, slightly different version. The one I I uh, am reading is the same one I read in high school. Oh, yeah, uh, or junior. And this school, this Fagel's one is recent or more recent? I don't know. I don't know if it is more recent. Mine is copyright 1954, so it's Let's pretty see if old. Find that. Oh, 46. I'm sorry. Let's see. I really like this translation, and you know. Uh, I think the Fagel's one is a little more um, poetic. This one is a pretty straight, straight-ahead uh, prose version. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's a little bit more of the rhyme scheme paid attention to in in your copy. Well, yeah, I, I just found the the page here. It says first published 1996. Oh wow! Published as electronic edition in 2002. So I, I don't know if that's no, I don't think that, I that one. It, it says copyright Robert Fagel's 2002. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's when the translation was done or not. But well, it, se- it seems likely Robert Fagel's like still alive. My guy's dead. <laughs> yep. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.